0: Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us. That means if you've never been to church, if you walked away from church, or have struggled to find a church home, we were started for you. For more information about Collective and how to join us on a Sunday morning, please head to www.mycollective.church. A few years ago, I read an article about a woman who suffered from compoundophobia. Does anybody know what that is? All right, cool. (laughs) So, compoundophobia is the fear of buttons. And, I know, apparently this is a very common fear. There are people that actually think Steve Jobs had it, which is why he worked so hard to get buttons off of the iPhone. And this article went on to tell a story about how this woman was at a grocery store, and as she went to check out, the cashier was wearing a cardigan with buttons. And that was over a blouse with buttons. And she had a bracelet on that was full of buttons. And the woman with compoundophobia started to have a panic attack, and she actually ran out of the store. Now, this is a weird fear. Uh, You might not have compoundophobia, and if you do, there's one out of every 75,000 people that actually have that, so you're okay. Steve Jobs had it. He's he's brilliant. But you might not have that phobia, but you have fears. So I want you to take a few seconds. I want you to turn to your neighbor. I I want you to share a fear or phobia that you have with your neighbor. Go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> You're like afraid of talking to your neighbor. <laughs> Write that one down. Yeah, we've never actually done this before where it's like interact with your neighbor. You're like, that's why I come to church. I don't want to do that. <laughs> so did any of you say fear of spiders? Anybody have that? That's a few. What about fear of water? Really? Just one? That's me. I, like I hate like, the the fact that I can't see the bottom of things. Like, it's not like a bath or a shower. It's like the ocean terrifies me. What about snakes? Anybody afraid of snakes? A few. Anything weird that you want to share? Whales? (laughs) That's weird. All right, there you go. Best friends. There it is. (laughs) That's why we do this. So the science behind fear is pretty fascinating. So scientists have figured out that fear is actually an adaptive behavior that we have to to identify threats in our lives. Fear is a survival mechanism that allows us as humans to survive predators in natural disasters. But we're only born with two innate fears. We have the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. All other fears that we have are actually learned. So spiders, snakes, the dark buttons, whales... These are called natural fears. Natural fears are are developed at a young age and are influenced by our environment. And this could be through bad experiences, through something that was taught to us by family or friends, or even the media. And we learn in the Bible that the only good fear is the fear of God. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. A better way to look at that, look at that word fear is, and a better understanding is to revere God, right? to hold God in such a high regard. But we also learn in 1 John four eighteen that there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. When John writes this, He's actually talking about Jesus' love for us. And he's writing to a church, reminding those who follow him that because they have accepted accepted Jesus' perfect love and because they have accepted that gift of grace, their love is perfect. It's made complete. They shouldn't be afraid of death. And Jesus' love should overcome the fear of failure and condemnation that we often have. In fact, you know the most frequent command in the Bible? It's do not be afraid. Fear not. Have no fear. In the New Testament alone, that phrase is used over 70 times. It's said when the angel Gabriel appears to the Virgin Mary to tell her that she's going to give birth to Jesus. It's said by the angel who appears to the shepherds the day that Jesus was born. It's said by Jesus to his followers and people that he meets along his path. And it says by Jesus' followers, eventually to their community. But fear can consume us, and fear can cripple us, and fear can dictate our life. Today we're in week two of our David the Giant Slayer series, and last week we talked about the idea of overcoming labels. Now, if you weren't here because of the snow, which was probably a good idea, the way home was rough, Uh, but if you weren't here because of the snow, we actually have a YouTube channel that we put all of our sermons on. If you follow us on social media, you'll find that. You can check that out from last week, but we talked about overcoming labels, and today we're going to talk about overcoming fear. And this is not going to be about your fear of spiders or your fear of falling, or your fear of clowns. <laughs> Last night I was looking through pictures and there was one that was like way more terrifying. I was like, hey, I told my wife, I was like, is this scary? And she's like, this is, don't do that one, do this one instead. So if you're afraid of that one, my wife's in the back, you can talk to her about that later. But we're gonna talk about the fear that we have when we're struggling and the fear that we have when we're faced with tough decisions, the fear that's the result of brokenness in our lives, the fear that holds us back from fully following God. The fear, for, fear of fighting for your marriage that's on the rocks. The fear of going to collective during the week because intimacy and relationships terrify you. The fear of commitment in all areas of your life. And we're going to learn how David overcame fear in his own life. As the Philistine moved closer to attack, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. That's the ending to one of the greatest stories of all time. It's the ending to David versus Goliath. David, the underdog, takes, on, takes down the warrior who thinks he is a god. And even if you've never been to church before, you've never read the Bible before, you probably know that story. You've heard that phrase before. If you watched the Super Bowl last weekend, they mentioned it like 60 times. They did it because we're preaching on it this week. It was perfect. <laughs> but you've probably heard this story at some point in your life. And it's the story that David is most famous for. It's the reason why people know who David is. But how did he get there? How did he get to that point? Last week, we learned that David was anointed as king. It started with Israel no longer wanting God to lead, but wanting a human king. And so Saul was chosen. Saul was actually the initial first king of Israel. But Saul was a bad king. He disobeyed God. He was leading the Israelites to pain and destruction. So God, seeing this, steps in, and he chooses a new king. And he chooses David, the runt shepherd who his own father didn't think was king-worthy. But that's where we ended. So what happens in between. <laughs> After last week, when we learned that David was chosen as king, nothing changes. And the reason why is because Saul is still alive and he's still leading. And so David was anointed by God as king and he went back to being a shepherd, waiting for his moment, waiting for God to say, the time is now. Eventually he actually ends up working with King Saul as a musician. And that leads to the story of David and Goliath. And this is where that story begins in 1 Samuel 17, starting in verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Soko in Judah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Allah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another with the valley between them. So this kind of sets the scene, right? So you've got this valley of a lot in the middle. You've got the Israelites on one side and the Philistines on one side. And they're both just kind of staring at each other, waiting for something to happen. And the reason why neither army is actually moving or progressing is because they realize that in order to get to the other side, you have to go down the valley and back up again, which essentially is a death trap. And so there they are just standing there, staring at each other. The story continues. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistines' camp. His height was six cubits and a span. We have no idea what that means. We actually do. We learned that six cubits in a span is nine feet, nine inches tall. For context, Andre the Giant was seven feet, seven inches tall. The story continues. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. He was wearing armor that weighed 125 pounds. He is wearing armor that weighs what a human adult person weighs. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves, and a javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. So again, we learn his spear weighed 15 pounds. And this was not a throwing spear. This was actually a stabbing spear that was six feet long. And what would happen when battle would happen and Goliath was in battle, he would actually stand on the second line with people in front of him, and he'd reach over, and he would kill and kill and kill. Goliath was the Philistine's best warrior. And quite possibly, he was the greatest warrior in the world at that time. And so Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if, you over, but if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine, Philistine said, "This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other." And So this was a classic military strategy during that time. Instead of having both armies fight in the middle of this valley and lose more lives than what was necessary, the Philistines offered a one-on-one fight. They said, let's just do this one-on-one. We're going to put Goliath for us. You choose somebody, but the loser becomes slaves. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And for 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. For 40 days, Goliath came out to challenge the Israelites. And for 40 days, the Israelites stood crippled in fear. Saul, who was chosen as king, one of the reasons we learned last week, like, we want a king to lead us into battle. The guy that they chose, the guy that the Israelites wanted, the guy that's supposed to bring them to victory, even he's standing there afraid. The Israelite army knew that this was impending slavery or impending death, so why move forward? And every day, Goliath came out to taunt them. It was the first thing they heard in the morning, and the last thing they heard before they went to bed. And we kind of get this feeling, right? That we're being taunted by the things that we're afraid of. There are situations in our life. There are decisions that need to be made. There are people that we need to reach out to, but we're afraid. And every day we're, remi- we're reminded just how afraid we are. For the last few weeks, we've been encouraging people to join one of our collectives, our small groups that meet throughout the week, but some of you are afraid to show up and invest in community. Some of you are afraid of trying your best because you aren't sure your best is good enough. So instead of putting everything, into you, everything you have into your family or your job or your faith, you only go halfway. Some of you are afraid to try and get pregnant because when you tried a few years ago, you weren't able to conceive. Or you suffered from miscarriage and you don't want to go through that again. Or to be honest, you're afraid to have kids because you don't want to screw them up the way that your parents screwed you up and the way their parents screwed them up. Some of you are afraid to share with your wife or your friends the sin that you struggle with because you're nervous that they'll judge you and push you out of their lives. And I know, I, I know there are people here that struggle with this. Some of you are afraid to put your faith in Jesus. You worry about what your friends or family will think if you're labeled as a Christian. Or Maybe you grew up going to a different de- denomination and you're scared to tell your parents that you're pursuing faith your own way in a different church. Maybe you're afraid of following me because you know that Jesus is going to ask you to get rid of that one thing in your life. You know that he's going to ask you to change. And you're not sure you can do that. One thing I do want you to know, if that's you, you are not alone. But you can't let fear stop you from letting Jesus be the leader of your life. You can't let fear stop you from accepting that free gift of grace. In fact, last week we celebrated three guys who come to Collective who weren't afraid to put their faith in Jesus. They were baptized in a giant trough in the lobby after service, and they were nervous. They are afraid. But they didn't let fear stop them from making the most important decision they could ever make. Check out this video. Read after read. I believe, I believe that, Jesus is the Christ, and that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Son the living God my Lord, my Savior, my Savior. Savior. Eric, on that confession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, What was really cool about that last week is we were standing in the lobby. We're, we told everybody 10 minutes after service, like, meet, meet here if you want to, to be a part of this and, and celebrate these guys. And so I was standing there with the three guys, and, and at the time, there were like 10 of us in the lobby, and I was like, this is good. Like, there'll, there'll be about 10 or 20 of us here. And I leaned over, and I said, hey, are you nervous? And one of the guys was like, yeah, I'm I'm terrified. And I said, well, don't worry. There'll there'll just be 15 of us. We all know who you are. And uh, if you were here last week, there were like 80 of us in the lobby. But the thing is, he didn't let fear stop him from making the decision that he needed to make. It doesn't mean he has it all figured out. It doesn't mean that they've got everything together. It doesn't mean that there isn't brokenness from the past. It doesn't mean there's not going to be pain in the future. They just realized that fear can't stop them from letting Jesus lead. And fear manifests, manifests itself in many ways. It causes us to worry, it causes anxiety, but the result of fear is doing nothing. And the pathway to your greatest potential is often through your greatest fears. So how do we do that? It starts with courage. Because the antidote to fear is courage. People who display courage are still afraid. It doesn't mean they don't have fear, but they don't let fear paralyze them. And that's David. After showing up in the Valley of Elah and seeing the Israelites in this stalemate, he actually asks one of his brothers, hey, what's going on? Why aren't we fighting him? Goliath's coming out every day. He's defying God. Why don't we do something about this? And his brother, who was a warrior, explains that no one is brave enough to go after Goliath. And so David, the kid shepherd volunteers, David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Courage is one of the differences between David and Saul. It's one of the differences between David and the rest of the Israelite army. But don't be foolish enough to think that David wasn't afraid. And don't be foolish enough to think that David, to look at David and to long to be like him while thinking that he's fearless because he was afraid. But his courage was stronger. And Saul replied, you were not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. Again, in David's life, he's experiencing those labels that we talked about last week. You're just a kid. You can't beat, beat Goliath. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued it from rescue the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. David has confidence that he can beat Goliath, because he's defeated the bear, he's defeated a lion, and this is enough for David to know that Goliath is beatable, that he isn't just a kid shepherd, he's a kid shepherd who rescued his own sheep from the mouth of a lion, like, he can do this, and so the first thing that we learn about overcoming fear is that courage comes from past experiences. You can have courage because your past triumphs are proof that you're able to overcome your present obstacles. A few years ago, the dad of a friend of mine was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. He was actually one of my small group leaders at one of the church, I was, uh, the church I was working in. And his small group and the church was completely devastated by this. And so I reached out and asked if we could grab coffee, if we could sit down and kind of talk about what was going on in his life. And he could tell as soon as I sat down that I was sad for him. He could see it in my eyes. And so before I could even say that I was sorry that he had cancer... He told me that he'd be okay. I thought, of course you're saying this. You know, I'm 30. You have kids my age. You're going to tell me that everything's going to be okay, so I believe it, but I don't know if that's true. And so I asked him, how do you know? How do you know that you're going to be okay? He went on to explain that this was not the first fight in his life, that he grew up with an abusive father, and when he finally got out of the house, he struggled with alcohol addiction to cope with the pain his dad had caused. Eventually, he overcame those issues and got married and started a wonderful family. But during that time, he had an emotional affair with another woman. With his marriage hanging by a thread, he begged his wife to give him one more chance. And so as he fought for his marriage, he lost his job. And he worked two jobs for every year to keep food on the table for his family. And eventually his marriage was redeemed. He started his own company that he loves. And then he told me he knew he could beat cancer because of everything he had conquered in his life already. He kind of shrugged it off and was like, what's cancer? Your past triumphs are proof that you are able to overcome your present obstacles. You just need to look back at the time you defeated the lion and the bear as proof. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them, so he took them off. So here's this moment where Saul actually tries to dress David in his own armor, but we know Saul is the tallest man in Israel, and David is just a boy. And so when he puts it on, it doesn't fit, and he realizes as he walks around, like, I can't fight Goliath as Saul. Then he picked up his sta- or then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pou- the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. David picks up five smooth stones from the stream. Do you know what he doesn't pick up? A sword. Do you know what he doesn't pick up? A spear. If David tried to fight Goliath as Saul, he would die. If David tried to fight Goliath the way Goliath fights, he would die. And David knows that he can't defeat Goliath in hand-to-hand combat. So he picks up stones because that is what a shepherd uses to protect his flock. He uses the skills and talents that God has given him to fight, and because of that, he has courage. So here's the second thing we learned about overcoming fear through the story of David. You've been uniquely made to be able to handle the challenges in your life. You can have courage because of the talents and abilities that God has given you. The second time that my wife and I lived in Tennessee, we were there so she could actually get her master's so she can start her teaching career. And most of the students in this program were like her they were fresh out of college, they were were moving on with their career, they're starting it brand new. But the program also had a lot of adults who were starting over. They had a lot of people that were starting a, a second career. They realized the path that they were on wasn't the path they wanted to be on anymore. And while she was in her program, one of the guys who was changing his career was a guy named Mark. Mark was a paramedic. He jumped into that career fresh out of high school because that's what his family wanted. And if he was being honest, he would tell you he liked it, but he never really loved the job. But for years, he worked as a paramedic. Eventually, he got married and had kids, but he was never fully satisfied with the job because he never really felt like it was the right fit. He liked helping people, but he hated the fact that the help was temporary. He wanted to stick with people to see long-term growth and long-term change and have long-term relationships. But Mark continued to work as a paramedic because he was paralyzed by fear. He didn't want to quit a job that could pay the bills while he had two kids at home. He didn't want to tell his family that he was leaving the family career. To be honest, he would tell you he didn't want to change his careers because he was afraid that he'd be a terrible teacher. But during that time, Mark got involved with his church and actually started serving with teenagers, and as he spent time with them and developed relationships, he realized that this was where he was supposed to be. He realized he was good with kids, and specifically he liked middle schoolers, which not many people do. And so as Mark's kids began to grow up and as Mark realized that he was in the wrong place, he decided to quit his job and go back to school to become a teacher. So even though he was terrified of making a career change, he had courage. Because he knew that God had given him talents and abilities to love these kids and teach these kids and have long-term life change with them. You've been uniquely made to be able to handle the challenges in your life. And you can have courage because of the talents and abilities that God has given you. So David said to the Philistine, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This very day I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. The last thing that we learn about overcoming fear through the story of David is that through God, all things are possible. David didn't approach Goliath thinking that he was the reason why Goliath could be defeated. He approached Goliath because he knew that God was able. Because Goliath was defying God and defying God's people and through David's life to this point he had seen time and time again that God was able to overcome. And that's why he had the courage to fight Goliath. And so you can have courage because God is able to overcome. It's not that David wasn't afraid. I think a lot of times we take this story and we kind of make it this cartoon that, that David was this strapping man and he could do whatever he wanted. It's not that he didn't have fear. It's not that he didn't approach that with, with his heart pounding and his blood pumping and his hands being sweaty. He was afraid. Fear is a learned behavior. He knew. He knew that he should fear Goliath. He probably knew Goliath before they even got to that point. But the antidote of fear is courage that's what David had. And deep down, that courage that David had to fight Goliath came from trust in God. And it came from his faith in God. And So what if you had the courage that David had when it came to the obstacles that are in your life today? What if instead of being afraid, what if instead of making excuses, what if instead of doing nothing, we approached our fear? and we approach the situations in our life where we are lacking courage, what if we approach those the same way that David did? You're staying face-to-face with your marriage that's falling apart, and you're afraid to give it one last shot. Or you're afraid to fight for it. Because you know deep down that it could end up still being broken. It could still fail. Or maybe you're afraid because you know that other people would gossip about you and have opinions about you that are unkind because you're trying to make this work. Or maybe it's because you know that it would be hard work. But deep down inside, you know that the right thing to do is put everything you have into giving it one more shot. So what if you approached it the way David did? What if you had courage instead of living in fear? What if you had that courage knowing that God can overcome And you approach that problem saying, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. You're staring face to face with addiction to pornography or alcohol. You can see it impacting your life. It hurts your friendship. It hurts your work. It hurts your relationship with God. But you're afraid that people will judge you if you seek help. Or you're afraid that if you try to break your addiction, you'll fail again. But instead of retreating in fear, you can have courage knowing that God can overcome. You've come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. You're staring face to face with the bitterness that has taken over your heart. You're afraid to trust people. You refuse to talk to your family. And This led you to a place where you struggle with insecurity and self-doubt. There are people that you actually need to seek forgiveness from. and There are people in your life that you need to forgive, but you're afraid. You're afraid that if you make yourself vulnerable again, those people will just hurt you all over again. But instead of retreating in fear, you can have courage and that God can overcome. You've come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. God can overcome. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone without a sword in his hand. He struck down the Philistine and killed him. I don't know everything that you're going through, and I don't know everything that you've gone through, But I do know that all of us have struggles in our life. There's pain in our life. There's brokenness in our life. And every day it stands in front of us shouting. In the morning and in the night we hear it saying, I will destroy you. For those of you who follow Jesus, you've accepted that free gift of grace. You can have courage because God is with you and he can overcome. You see that how God has gotten you through your past pain and your past brokenness. You see that how God has given you the talents and abilities to fight your present problems. You don't need to live in fear. For those of you who are, are still unsure about Jesus, uh, to be honest, I pray that, that you have the courage to take a step today. Take a step closer to trusting God. Take a step closer to following God. Take a step closer to letting God be the Lord of your life. It won't make everything perfect. It won't make the brokenness go away. It won't make the pain go away. But you'll know that you're not fighting alone. And that same courage that David had through God can be yours. So as a church, I want us to have courage the way that David had courage. And I want us to act on that courage and not live in fear of doing what is right in God's eyes. Because God can overcome Let's pray. God, thank you that um, thank you that through you we can have courage. God, that that we know that you you are able. God, that you can get us through the brokenness that we feel. You can get us through the pain that we're experiencing. You can get us through the past that we had. And God, we know that you'll be with us in the future. God, thank you that we get to read this story and see how this young boy had enough courage to believe that he could defeat Goliath. God, I know everybody here has something going on in their life that feels that big, that feels that heavy, that stands in front of us taunting us every single day. God, I pray that this church has the courage to move forward today. God, that we don't live in fear and and we don't live in, in, in action God, we know that you can overcome, and so we fight. God, give us those opportunities this week. We love you and pray this in your name. Amen.